Hello everyone and welcome back. This is part two of recovery and traumatic brain injury. So we are with Pat Motley. She's a social worker. She's a certified brain injury specialist and she works with the Alabama Head Injury Foundation. So um, if you didn't get a chance to hear the first one, go back, check out part one, and then join us for this one, part two, so we can continue providing resources and information for anyone who is in a recovery place. They're ready to, to be in a recovery place, but maybe they have some pieces um, that are missing that they need to evaluate and assess for a successful um, recovery treatment plan. So before we get started, Pat, would you like to pray us in? I would, thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day and this opportunity to come together to share information. I ask that you will continue to bless Shan and anoint her ministry. I pray that the information that's going to be shared here today will reach those who need to hear it the most. And I ask your blessing over this time of discussion. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, that I pray. Amen. Amen. So we are going to jump right into addiction disorder treatments this is for the traumatic brain injury survivors yeah so just to catch up a traumatic brain injury is a blow a jolt or a bump to the head caused by an external force successful substance abuse treatment for survivors of brain injury are so very dependent on having adaptations written into their treatment plans otherwise it would be like taking um, or having a insulin dependent diabetic being admitted to inpatient rehab without including their need for insulin injections on their treatment plan right. to try to provide recovery services to a person with a brain injury without adapting their treatment goals. And that's that missing piece. It is. It is. We're, we're not saying that traumatic brain injury is an excuse for addiction right. or substance abuse. It is a real medical condition mm -hmm. that requires specialized treatment to get the best outcomes. Remember, it's never okay to give up always find ways to adapt the treatment plan and just like you told us in part one that we don't think about this traumatic brain injury can go all the way back to a baby in the womb right when mom was involved in a car wreck or or fell down the steps yeah or fell absolutely yeah. so this is this is a puzzle piece that someone who has issues may may not have directly but they may not have directly had the impact but when they get to talking to their mom She'd be like, oh, yeah, that did happen to me. Right. That's that missing puzzle piece we need to know about for a successful treatment and recovery. That's right. That's right. I, I think there are six key components to successful treatment with this population. There has to be individualized treatment. Yes. The, sur the survivor, the traumatic brain injury survivor, must have a willingness to commit to a sober lifestyle. Particip they must participate in a 12-step program with a sponsor or a coach that will help them build up the ability to receive feedback yes. and appreciate different points of view. Um, involvement of both addiction treatment professionals and brain injury professionals that will work together to develop a treatment plan. And both of them be ongoing sources of support to that yes. survivor. Another key component is in the involvement of the family or the significant mm -hmm. others to that individual. 
and we need to just go ahead up front and acknowledge that relapse will be a part of the recovery process and will not be viewed as failure. That's right. That's right. And, you know, looking at the 12 steps, the, the third one she said, participating in a 12-step program, when you have someone in your life that you trust and you know that they're going to say stuff to you, but they're speaking truth in love, and you can receive that because you know they're wanting you to be a better person, then it begins to be easier to hear other people's opinions that you don't agree with. Right. Because you, you learn to listen first. And then the involvement of um, treatment specialists. You know, I said in a previous podcast, it's okay to seek mental health professional treatment. Amen. In any form of recovery. Yep. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in that game. It's perfectly fine. So any area... And I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to make people mad, but that's okay. Any area of your recovery where you feel like a puzzle piece is missing, it is okay to search out the professionals to help you evaluate and assess. I mean, best case scenario, honestly, would be for somebody to say, no, you never did have a traumatic brain injury. Yes, at least you know. You'll know. Then you can move past that. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Sorry, I had to get to have a little soapbox there. <laughs> well, some of the adaptive steps that we see to the original 12-step programs that were developed by AA, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, but um, we need to break them down into manageable tasks mm-hmm. for brain injury survivors. And I use the Brain Injury and Addictive Disorders 12-Step Workbook. This program was developed by Bill Peterman from the Texas Neuro Rehab Center in Austin, Texas. It was developed in 1992 and revised in 2003 by Roland Gonzalez, and it's still relevant in today's world. It's the best tool that I have found to offer traumatic brain injury survivors in in substance abuse treatment. You know, I I don't know that there is a single person that has not held on to or went to a used bookstore to find all the different versions of some kind of treatment plan. Because if it's been around for a while, it's a success story. Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're right. Um, So speaking of treatment plans, we, we talk about some of the strategies that we might would use with a substance in substance abuse treatment with traumatic brain injury survivors one of them if we look at memory deficits Mm -hmm. so some of the strategies we might write into that treatment plan would be the use of a daily planner we might write in that you keep a very detailed calendar Mm -hmm. and we might write in time and acceptance where you just what you said a minute ago those heart-to-heart talks with a trusted individual Mm -hmm. allowing them to tell the brain injury survivor the things that they did that were hurtful to others and be willing to hear it and not defend those actions and that's a big thing too i'd said in a previous podcast is having the hard conversations just sitting down, even if you do not realize the impact you've had on somebody else, hearing them tell you, this is how you made me feel, this is what you did, even though you don't remember it, that is a huge step for them to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge um, step in their healing process, but also in the relationship bridge, the healing process of that too. So sometimes, even when it's uncomfortable, we just need to sit down and listen. You know, um, I'm not living with a traumatic brain injury, but I have a family member who's in recovery. And 
so I have some personal experience with someone coming to me and he came to me and he said to me I need to talk to you and it scared me to death because yes. I knew he was in recovery and I thought oh no you know something's happened mm-hmm. and so we went where we could talk alone and he said I just want to tell you how truly sorry I am for the things that I did to you and I thought for a moment and I thought well you didn't do anything to me it's okay I wanted to make it okay and I stopped and realized it was as important to him yes. to say those things to me as it was for me to listen. Yes. So um, I, I get that step. It yeah. is effective. It did heal some relationships. I mean, him doing that, and it wasn't just me that he came to, several family members. Yeah, that's the amends uh, moment. And, you know, that's where the enemy doesn't want you to get past. He wants to hold you in that prison cell of guilt and shame. Uh-huh. Because as long as you beat yourself up, he doesn't have to do it. That's really yeah. cut and dry. Yeah. You know, because we are our worst enemies. That's true. We are the ones that he uses against our own selves. You're tr- that's, because that's we right. know our, our deepest, darkest hurts and secrets. And so he would rather use us against us. So when we break through, sit down and have those hard conversations, you're breaking free of the chains and the bonds of everything he can use to torment us. Right. So that is the big thing. And, you know, somebody with a brain injury might not remember those things. Exactly. So the step here is that they have that professional with them yes. that will help coach them and guide them through that step. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really important, I think. Absolutely. Another strategy that we use, and this is when we look at um, deficits in executive functioning, which are things like your ability to focus mm-hmm. and to multitask and to initiate, self-initiate, um, we would some of the strategies we might use would be to break the task into small manageable steps to use external prompts mm-hmm. to help you get started at a pre-scheduled time um, to develop a daily routine to and it might be the time of day that you work on your steps and you do it at the same time at the same place every day yes. it doesn't matter what time you do it it just matters that you're consistent mm-hmm. with that time. The routine. The Stay routine. in sync. You've got to keep consistent. Um, one other strategy with executive functioning is to preset reminder mm-hmm. alarms um, or calls to get you started on time and to stop on time. I think you know, well, okay, there's an end to this. Right. I think that's very helpful also it is. to know. And, and if you stay in a routine... At first, you've got to think about it. you got to put everything in place. But over time, it becomes part of your natural. You don't even realize you're doing it. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. It's recovery. You, you know it. you do it every day. That's you know it. that's one of the first things you do in the morning, and you don't think. Right. You just, it, it just comes natural to you. Um, also, some strategies that we might see, say, with a person who has language deficits caused by their brain injury, we would ask them and, and help them make a little card that lists four or five simple, easy steps that helps that individual facilitate effective speaking. And it might remind him or her to use little words. Right. You don't have to use a big word. No. Don't stumble over it. If you can't think of a word, it's okay to ask somebody. Give right. me a clue here. Um, another uh, strategy we might would use would be to ask the speaker to slow down yes if you're listening if you're in an audience and you're listening it is okay 
to ask that speaker to repeat what they've said if you've missed it. It's an interruption that they will welcome because yeah. they want you to hear their message. And I've done that before when, when I'm, I'm, maybe my brain is a couple of sentences back because it's trying to process that. <laughs> right. Because I, I, it's a thought I haven't had or it's an eye-opening thought. And then uh -huh. all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, say that one more time. And then all of a sudden it, it clicks. It'll click for but you. But I've done that plenty of times. Um. I was going to give you some examples of strategies sure. written into treatment plans. Just if we look at step four, mm -hmm. um, some people may refer to that as the inventory yep. step. Um, it, it's detailed. It's big. It's a big one. Um, with cognitive impairment adaptations, it is broken into three separate tasks. They make a list of all negative behaviors mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. They make a list of current behavior problems and actions what you're doing now that you don't need to do and we make a list of our positive behaviors yes it's important to keep it balanced and, and for someone in recovery uh, the inventory step basically breaks down what hurt was done to me and this is the way I always tell anybody that goes through my 12 step it was what what hurt was done to me how did I take that hurt and hurt myself uh, and then how did I repackage it and send it out in the world that's well said I like that because that's what happens with hurt right it comes in we hold on to it because our self-worth bottoms out guilt shame all the negative emotions uh -huh. and so we hold on to it because we're afraid to let anybody know about it because then they'll talk about us more right and then if that's all we have that's all we have to give Sadly, I mean, that's, you know, I've had people say, why are they just so negative? Why are they just so harsh? Why they? But if that's all they've been consumed with, that's all they have to give back. So let's start speaking positive into their life. Let's, let's start saying words that lift them right. instead of belittling them because they obviously have already had enough of that. And what does that accomplish? It accomplishes nothing yeah. to make a person feel bad about themselves right. really I think most of the time when that's done if you're aware you're doing it it's to make yourself feel better yes it's to elevate yourself over them and that's not love no and anybody watching you do that they really lose all respect for you so right. you're not achieving anything except losing your integrity in the eyes of others right that's really what it comes down to you know, it's true that, that every day, those of us who are Christ followers, the goal is to be more like Christ every yes. day. And if we will stop and think, and I have to remind myself many, many times every day, is this something that I would be proud for Jesus to be sitting right next to me? Mm -hmm. Because honestly, He is. Yes, absolutely. And so I think if we can remember that um, to be Christ-like and be intentional with that, um, hopefully it would help us restrain our um, negative thoughts to others. Mm -hmm. And anybody that knows me knows if once I've had enough, I'm not afraid to speak up. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't mind standing alone. I don't mind, you know. But I've, I've said to people, if you left the earth today and, stand, and you stand in judgment, this is going to be on your record, your permanent record. <laughs> so it's not just earth that keeps a permanent record. If you don't repent, right. 
and you don't ask to be cleansed and you ask for forgiveness, but then actually go out into the world and forgive and and no, there there's a permanent record, yeah. Yeah. and it is there, and we yeah. will all stand in judgment for it. Oh, me. Sorry to end on such a heavy note there. Wow. Well, we think about some of the resources that we have to offer um, brain injury survivors living with addiction or trying to get into a place of recovery from addiction. And this workbook that I mentioned, it is my gold standard. I use it. very often I work with a population of people with brain injury and not all of them thank goodness have problems with addiction but some of them have other many other issues um, so it's not something I do every day right it's a tool yeah. that I can use when I do have that situation yeah. come up it comes up more than you might would think um, just because treatment has not failed or not been made available mm-hmm. to them um, And I often refer people, and I've said this once, to their local churches, to the nearest 12-step program. Um, I encourage them to talk to their pastors. Mm -hmm. So many times, families have not even told their pastors that their loved one had a brain injury. Um, And churches can't help if they don't know. Exactly. So you have to take some action there in letting them know. And the Alabama Head Injury Foundation, which is where I work, is a nonprofit organization that covers the entire state of Alabama. We serve people whose lives have been touched by brain injury. Mm-hmm. We serve people from birth until they die mm-hmm. or move out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. We're funded through United Way agencies all over the state, through uh, grants and through uh, fundraising efforts. We also receive some funding from the state of Alabama through the Impaired Drivers Trust Fund. Okay. So the first, actually it's the second $100 of each DUI fund that's collected helps pay um, for some of our programs. Wow. Okay. Um, that that program, we've, we've had some changes with it in the last several years with the um, startup of substance abuse treatment courts. Mm-hmm. Um, veterans courts, mental health courts, that money has kind of been shifted around and we have some uh, legislation pending to reroute that money back to our programs. But but we're fine, we're, we're doing well and um, our goal is to uh, give quality of life to, to people who've had brain injury and their family members. And, and let me add this too, if you go to a place and you're trying to seek help know that not everyone there um, is either trained or has the tools in their toolbox. They may not have connections with resources. So don't get frustrated just because they don't have the answers. Right, exactly. Ask someone else. Go to the next. Go to the next person. But never give up. Right. It's never an option to give up. Absolutely. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this part two. This is Recovery and Traumatic Brain Injury. Um, Again, we're with Pat Motley. She um, is a certified brain injury specialist, and she works at the Alabama Head Injury Foundation. So if you have any questions, you should be able to look in the details of this podcast, and you'll see their website. You will see also the book listed that she was talking about in case you want to do some research. Look for yourself. Research it out. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. If you research it, you may have even more and better questions to ask. That's right. That leads to a better treatment plan. That's right. 
That's right. So before we close out, will you pray us out? I will, Shan. Thank you. Father, I thank you for this time together, and I thank you for my friend Shan and her ministry, and I pray that you'll continue to bless her and her ministry. And I pray for all people who are touched by traumatic brain injury and addiction. Lord, I ask that you'll provide strength and courage to those who are in recovery and for the love of Christ to be felt and to shine forth from all who work with those battling addiction and brain injury. We will give you all honor, glory, and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, who with the Holy Spirit lives and reigns with you, God Almighty, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So remember, until next time, check out part one if you didn't yet. Um, check out the website. It's listed in the details. So always remember what you have in your heart is what you send out in the community. So be a blessing. Speak life. Put your faith feed into action and cause a positive ripple effect that will affect generations to come. Until next time, much agape, everybody.